0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Richest Men in Town podcast. I'm Mike Freeman and along with my good friend and co-host Tyler Gould, we're excited to welcome you to our little podcast project. Tyler and I are just a couple of middle-aged husbands and dads driven to live our best lives. We want to be better every day, so here we'll be sitting down with great people, not famous people, but great people that we admire, to learn their secret to living the rich life. Probably not the rich life you're thinking of. Our guests come in humbled and surprised at the invitation and hopefully leave feeling proud and grateful, realizing just how good they really have it. So pull up a chair, stay a while, and raise a glass with us as we toast our guests to the richest men in town. Okay, Tyler Gould, it is Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. How are you? Happy Thanksgiving, Mike Freeman. I am
1: am thankful for a lot of things this Thanksgiving.
0: The richest men in town has got to be up towards the top, right?
1: it certainly is man at least uh all the people that i get to that we've been able to talk to over the last uh 80 plus almost 90 episodes
0: yeah man i, I almost i almost want to rent out a a hall or something and just have like 14 turkeys and get these folks in the room and celebrate with them
1: oh man that's a dream that that's a dream right <laughs> there i love that that would love
0: that it's like a future richest men in town tour stop or something where yeah. we get folks together but the next best thing The next best thing in spirit of Thanksgiving, we're going to do some uh, we're going to do some compilation of sorts. Right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So we're
0: going to reach out. We're going to think back on some of our uh, recent episodes and uh, some and maybe not so recent episodes where I mean, heck, we're into the 80s. So uh, we've got lots to pull from, but we're going to we're going to reach out for some messages that touched our hearts at the time. And and more than likely, we still carry with us.
1: Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited to I'm always excited when we when we do this kind of a of an episode, just kind of a reflection because I, I love you know you and I when we do this we you and I do this independent of each other, so I I, I always look forward to to getting what you uh, what stood out to you and and listening to that. So I hope I hope our our listeners. Uh, feel the same way as they hear some of the things that have touched your heart and my heart as well.
0: Yeah. And, you know, and it's interesting too, because people jump, people have jumped on. Some have been with us since day one. Yeah. Some have been with us since our last episode. And so this might either be a really cool trip down memory lane and and revive some things, or it might turn some people towards episodes. They haven't had a chance to listen to yet. That's exciting.
1: Yes, it is super exciting. and And look, you know, in, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I've got to say, I am grateful for uh, all of these guests that have, that have put in time, you know, and then come on this show and shared some really important things. And I'm also very thankful for all the people that have taken time to download and listen to, to the richest men in town and learn from our guests. I mean, what a-
0: And even a more, awesome thing. even more grateful those folks that take time out of whatever they've got going on yeah. to shoot us a text send us something on Facebook or, you know, drop a comment. Like, I, I just think that is, uh, that, that's so validating. And in, in this, in this week of Thanksgiving, I just think of those conversations that we've had long time ago, leading up to this project. Yeah. You know, and I'm really grateful that, 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 that thing kept popping up, yeah. right. That we weren't, we weren't done with it and that we actually took action on it and i just want to throw that out there i mean if, if people have things like that that you want to do man just just do it jump in there like my it. life is so much more rich here we are in thanksgiving 2021 i'm so uh, i'm so blessed with the the lessons that have been learned and actually just the moments right the experiences yeah. we've had connecting with guests as they just pour it all out for us. And, and, uh, you know what, to think that, uh, this almost didn't happen. That's pretty wild.
1: That is pretty wild, man. (laughs) I mean, it, this, it's been, uh, it's been a ton of fun. So happy Thanksgiving to the Freeman family. Uh, happy, happy
0: Thanksgiving to the Gould family. Right.
1: Appreciate it, man. Yeah.
0: And disclaimer to any guests who might be offended because their content was not selected, Obviously, we've got some time constraints.
1: Yeah, we're gonna go
0: grab a few. We would love to grab more, and maybe we do this down the road. And uh, and uh, you know, we 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 drop this in as a as a change of pace format from time to time.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: All right, to our listeners, thank you for being with us wherever you've joined us. uh, Thank you so much around the world. Uh, Lots to be thankful for. Let's let's focus on the positive, right? Let's circle loved ones. Uh, for folks that uh, have loved ones far away, we feel your pain. We're with you. We're with you. And so uh, we really hope that you have an amazing Thanksgiving season. And uh, thanks for making Richest Men in Town episode part of that. So uh, continue listening. Let's keep going. And uh, we'll catch you in December with our next guest. So enjoy a special Thanksgiving episode edition of the richest men in town, I and mean, we kind of got real, and I, I personalized some things a little bit, but just the struggles of of change, right, and some of those problems with change, and you know whether it's taking on too much change, whether it's telling yourself, oh, you you you've done that so many times, you could never change that, right? In your in your experience, where you stand in life, looking back and looking forward, what would you what would you say about managing successful change in life
2: oh goodness um i'm gonna answer that like i know what i'm talking about um <laughs> i it always really rankles me when i hear someone say well that's just the way i am um i i find that really offensive um i feel like we're, we're always a work in progress at least um at least that's the plan you know i uh i hope i'm a better person today than i was a year ago and not as good a person as I'll be a year from now, um, you know. I look at that in terms of, of what I do professionally, um, you know, being a broadcast journalist, uh, being an author, being a writer, being a photographer, and just being a person. Um, you know, being a father. I, I, if I could, if I could have a do-over, I would start mine um, at 11 p.m. on uh, July the eighth, nineteen seventy-one. That was the moment I became a father. And I would love to have known at 23 what I know now, 50 years on. Um, I mean, there's always the risk that, okay, do do you want a 23-year-old guy who has limited impulse control, knowing what (laughs) someone with more experience knows? (laughs) It's going to depend on the 23-year-old guy. But, um, gosh, you know, I've heard people say, I have no regrets. I have more regrets than I can count. And about 99% of them have to do with um, things I did and said and things I did not do and did not say uh, when I was raising my children. Boy, That's, there's a heavy start.
1: Yeah, can, you know, hey, can I, I, I love that thought though. Can, can we talk about that just for a second? Sure. I, I love the, you know, I, I have heard people say I, I don't have any regrets and, and I, and I shoot, I can respect that. I, I admire that, I guess. Cause I have, I have a few in my back pocket. I'd like yeah. to, you know, unload, but what, what do you do with those regrets? I mean, what, what do, what do those do? Are, are they just sitting there weighing on your mind constantly or how, how do we, they, how do we manage that?
2: This is actually um, very timely that we're talking about this um, because they can be crippling. You know um, I can look at every struggle, my children who, who are all adults, you know I mean? My, my youngest is 34 um, I can look at every struggle that they're having and thinking oh man that goes back to you know all the different times and ways i let them know they weren't okay um and it doesn't matter that that was the message that i got as a child you know we don't want to we don't want to pass along the same poison that infected us um but and, and i'm i'm gonna get uh delve, delve into the religious realm here in, in my patriarchal blessing, it tells me that I will, I will be able to recognize when the devil's afflicting someone and that I will be able to cast him out. And I realized that that's what was happening to me. That, you know, that my my constantly ruminating on, on all the things that I wish I had done differently or not done at all, um, as I said a moment ago, was, was crippling. And... Uh, it occurred to me, I think one night at work, that, that that's what it was. That's, that's who was messing with me. And I came home that morning. Uh, I get off work at six. So, you know, there's not a lot going on and uh, went out on my, on my back patio and, uh, and cast him out. And that's been, I guess that was earlier this week. And I got to tell you every day since then has been better than the, days and months leading up to that you know i mean all of us have some bad wiring that we've got to pull out and and some of us have more than others particularly when um you know the more birthdays you've had um, you know yeah at what age do you have it all together well i don't know but i can tell you 73 is
0: not the number (laughs) Hey, uh, so you said do-over. Let's go back to that moment. I love that thought, right? I mean, I think that um, if you could, what would you say to that guy on July 8th, 1971? And I say that because right now you could be in the ears of somebody who's right there. I would say
2: whatever else you do, love that little person. You know, there's a list of things that we need to do as parents. Uh, You might want to write this down. Here's the list. (laughs) Love your children. That's the whole list. Yeah. And I I wish, I wish so much that I had not been so uh, consumed by the details. Um, I wish I hadn't been operating out of fear. You know, that if I don't, if I don't make this happen for this child, uh, they'll be irretrievably lost, which is nonsense. Um, but I, I wish that i had I wish that I had come out of love instead of out of
3: fear because so I came out of fear. Our response would be that Chad's core values are uh, his family, which is probably um, he would subordinate about anything for his family. and then um, love. He's a very loving. Person And he is also, uh, he's service oriented and he's humble. He really is, you know, and he's a great example to our children. We had a, Chad was sick recently, had a blood clot in his lungs. It's scary, but Mm. um, our kids, each one of our kids, you know, called me or came to me and just said, I don't know what I would do if something happened to dad. I mean, CJ told me, mom, I had a dream once that, you know, that dad died and it was the most devastating feeling I'd ever felt in my life. I don't know what I would do if I lost dad. So um, Chad has been such a strength to me and to our children. Sometimes I wonder like if he even has his own, I mean, he really sacrifices everything for us with very little recognition or notice. And I can't imagine a life any, you know, with anyone else, we probably even take, a lot of what he does for granted, but every one of us knows that we are extremely blessed to have his love and support. His love is transforming; it did change my life in the way I saw myself so yeah i don 't know that he can really identify that as well as we can, but um, and because he 's humble too, so he 's going to point out his weaknesses, but his strengths are are amazing. One of my friends when I got home um, When I got home from prison, said to me, is Chad still the loving, amazing man that he always was? And I said, he is. She goes, wow, that's incredible, especially after everything you've been through. So so that's what I think of Chad. I'm going to tell you what I think of my own core values, because that's something that I spent some time taking a look at when I was in prison. Um, First of all, I know that I am a never give up kind of girl. So like that is a core value to me. Um, in any situation, um, I am not going to quit. And it's, you know, I, I work at a treatment center. So I often tell the girls, I'm like, you guys are in the middle of this. You're going through something hard. You can't see how amazing your life is going to get yet, but you can't quit because it's there waiting for you. And I believe that about all of us, that something amazing is right around the corner. Um, my other, I guess, as you were sharing earlier about having your core values, not in line with your actions, that's something that I have experienced and it's very awful. (laughs) It's, it's so um, it tears you up when your you know, your core values for me, my faith, my relationship with my heavenly father, integrity, I would say that has, you know, the beautiful thing about a core value is you can decide what you want it to be. And then you can choose a life that lines up with that. But it takes effort. And I had to take a look at that when I was in prison. I mean, I chose to take a look at that and say, hey, um, I have this time. I want to, to build a foundation based on integrity and, um, and truth. So I would say that truth and integrity um, and never giving up are all you know seeking. Just keep looking. Don't give up um, are part of my core values. And if I had to decide, you know, what's most important to me, my relationship with my father in heaven, and then my relationship with my husband, and then my relationship with my children. And that's something I've identified, um, for myself that works for me, that I know who I am. I'm a daughter of God. And that relationship has to be fundamental in my life for me to know who I am. And if I know who I am, then, those core values are in line with my actions. I'm
1: just list, looking at this list. I'm, I'm writing things down as you guys are talking. And, and, you know, when we get to a place where it's us, right. Where we have to rely on us on some level, right. It's it, it, whether that's we have to turn to God or we have to figure out how to get through. There's, there's this humbling moment, right. that we all, we have over and over again throughout our lives and as I, as I was thinking about this idea of core values, I kept thinking like, well, what, when everything's stripped away. Yes. Right. And, and what's left that makes me, me is, is it enough substance to get me to the next place or am I just going to melt into a, you know, into a pool of nothing? I mean, and, and I, and I love that idea of never give up. I love the idea, Chad, when you talk about, you know, you're a, you're, you have this relationship with your heavenly father, you know, you know who you are, you know, where you were and you know why you're here. I mean, to me like that, you know, Portia, you talk about your relationship with God, Mike, you always talk about faith. And I feel like that is such a key component, right? Because at the end of the day, if, if I felt like I had to overcome the things I have to overcome in my life through my own
0: strength. Tyler, can I jump in on something I yeah, heard recently? Yeah. So lab rat, right? Lab rat in a bucket, big bucket, filled with water. They're going to time how long this rat will try to get out before it gives up. Rats swimming around, swimming around, can't get out, can't get out, can't get out. 15 minutes just stops and sinks. The experimenter reaches in, pulls the rat out, delivers the rat, right? The rat's still alive puts the rat back in the bucket. And here's the question of the experiment. How much longer will they try the second time? Hmm. First time, 15 minutes, right? 15 minutes, gives up and is delivered and is given another chance. How long do you think that rat goes the second time before they give up? 60 hours.
3: Oh, wow.
0: 60 <laughs> hours. 60
3: I, I love, love that story because I'm a never give like up the, kind of girl. I love like that. the faith
0: yeah. that there's somebody there. Yeah. Right? Like if that. I'm, if I'm on my own, right. I'm done. But the idea that that hand that came in and pulled me out and is going to, right. I'll yeah, give this thing right. 60 freaking hours. I
3: love that so much.
0: That's it's pretty cool. cool. And that's a rat, right? We are, we're children of God with the idea that, that we can be delivered, that we can be redeemed. It's worth, it's worth fighting for. It's worth, it's worth our effort.
3: Up.
0: Right. <laughs> it's worth, it's worth everything. So here's my question though. Like so many questions, Portia, integrity and in prison are not usually words I hear in the same sentence. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we can, we can explore that. Um, I, I love the things you shared about Chad, because here's the problem. We get on and we say, Hey, rich, humble person, come talk about yourself and they never and they never want to. There's no way Chad would say hey and I'm humble because humble people don't don't do that. So I appreciate I appreciate you calling calling that out. I'm just going to throw out a couple of questions and we can go anywhere we want with this. Sometimes I I I really wish this is this is kind of weird. I really wish that somebody would call me and just tell me I have 6 months to live. Mhm. So I can really take some inventory and go make six months magical, right? We live with this idea that I've got these endless tomorrows and we just don't. So along those same lines, we talk about being, we, we talk about stripping away. Tyler talked about that. And sometimes adversity does that in our life. Yeah. Is there a way to replicate the adversity without the adversity? Can I strip myself? Can I strip away and identify my core values when everything is great? When my kids are healthy, when I got a job or do I have to just go through it? Got a weird to uh, learn it. weird thought
4: on that. that I want to share. Um, You got you guys know who Mike Tyson is, (laughs) the boxer. I love a quote by him. He says, everyone, everyone's got a plan until you get punched in the face,
0: <laughs>
4: you know, meaning that, that you're fighting for a world championship in boxing. You've trained, you've run countless hours, you've trained, done every, you know, pushed yourself to, you know, physical limits that you just, you've given your everything. And then in that moment, it all goes out the window, you know, yeah. you're, you're left to your own device or, or you're not going to, or you get knocked out. So I think it's interesting, you know, to answer your question, Mike. I don't think we can. I mean, personally, I can't be pushed to to do anything, you know, to do it, to do things outside of my, uh, you know, normal routine. I guess. But when, and those, and that's, I think that's how our Father in Heaven, uh, you know, challenges us. How he helps us grow is through, you know, getting smacked in the face, because then we <laughs> You know, we've got to shake it off. And what I'm thinking of that sacred,
0: I'm thinking of that sacred line, right? Is there, is there, is there no other way? Yeah.
3: So that's, it's so interesting that you, uh, that you brought this up because for me, um, the day that I walked in the courtroom and I was sentenced was a surreal life-changing moment. It was a death of my old life. I stood there literally feeling like everything but everything was shook. I just, you know, um, I was facing zero to seven years when I walked in the courtroom for real estate fraud. Um, up to that point, I was in denial because I couldn't accept the facts. <laughs> I've learned that's not necessarily the best way to live because I probably could have prepared better, but it, it's how it happened for me. And when I walked to the front of the room, Chad and our children were all sitting in the back together. And I turned around and I remember I knew right then that I was, the judge was going to give me the maximum sentence. So it was seven years that the judge was going to give me. And I, I had this feeling of loss, uh, truly a death of my old self. Like uh, as a mother, as a, this, all these things are going to change for me. And I remember thinking, I just want to go back to my husband. I just want to get back there. And, you know, they started the proceedings and, um, at the end there was this moment where the judge, you know, when he gave me the sentence, he asked me if I'd like to say something on my behalf. I got up and I, I just apologized. I told my family how sorry I was. It was the most lonely, um, it was the most lonely place I've ever been in my life. And I remember saying a prayer, please give me strength to do this. And I felt something very real and something true in that situation, which was no matter what, you're going to be okay, no matter what. And I just felt that I was going to be okay. And when I turned around and I looked at my husband, my the judge you know, pronounced what he was going to pronounce. And then Chad actually stood up in that, in the courtroom and he, he advocated for me. He asked the judge, he said, please give her time with our family before she goes to prison because she needs it. She needs our support. And we need to be together as a family. And when he did that, I, when I looked back at him, I told him, I said, I felt like a queen in that moment. Like there was not one thing that the judge could take from me because everything was standing right there, my husband and my children. And I knew that there wasn't an earthly power that could change that. It was like Chad and I have been sealed in the temple. And that bond right then was so clear to me. Um, I didn't know how hard it was gonna be. I ended up serving four and a half years in prison. I did Mm. not know what the journey would be. I knew that my life would change and it did. I had that experience of everything being stripped away When I walked into a federal prison and my life was completely different. Um, it was a journey of finding the truth and coming to take responsibility for my life. And, um, there, there was a lot of steps to that journey, but what I knew in that courtroom was that my heavenly father was with me and that I was, um, bound by, you know, something that wasn't of this earth that would keep us together through this experience. And that has never changed throughout the whole experience. um, Chad was our marriage and our family was protected. We were united. We were blessed. We were strengthened. It doesn't even make sense if you don't, you know, I don't I mean in prison, half the the women knew my husband's name because it was such a rarity to have somebody like Chad, you know, how's Chad doing? What's going on with Chad? (laughs) Well, what does Chad think about that? Like, it was just like, he's our guy. He's the guy that stands by no matter what. And um, yeah, like for me, when you ask the question, can you, you know, if somebody called you up and said you have six months to live, that's what it felt like that day in the courtroom. I had six to eight weeks to, to before I went to prison, and every moment was beautiful. I remember looking around at the world and thinking, why does everybody think that stuff is important? Money means nothing. All that matters is this moment. You know, driving my son to school was this most beautiful moment, this experience, every little thing. And when I got into prison, I thought, every everything was so backwards. Why was I fighting for money? How silly, you know? And- Fortunately, I got a reset. I got a chance to figure out what really matters. My life got simple. Um, I prayed like I've never prayed before. I made connections. That's another huge value to me is authentic connections with people from all different faiths and walks of life. And when I got home, I I don't waste my time on money. <laughs> I spend my time with my family and in meaningful activities and I am so grateful for that experience because it shifted everything for me. But I think that people can find that in their own life because we truly all have struggles, but it takes a real uh, honest look at where you're at and deciding what matters most, you know? Absolutely.
1: And I think that it's important to understand that we can put in the work with the best of intentions. And sometimes that work doesn't pay off when we do it right there, right? So the, the lesson, the hard lesson for me to learn in that is that I
0: got to go back to work, you know,
1: yeah. and I got to do it again and work yeah, it's at not it some like, more. It's not like
0: we're cooking on TV, right? Where it's like an ingredient, an ingredient, and then <laughs> right. voila, here's the yeah. casserole,
5: right? right? It's like, it's going to go voila and the dog's there and the casserole goes all over the kitchen <laughs> floor. Right.
0: But Tyler, it's like you say all the time with, with people that we, where, that we love, just remove the timetable. Yeah. Right. Do the work regardless. Love the process. Right. Love this idea of like, man, I can't figure this out. Yeah. And be OK with that. Be yeah. like, man, I fell again. Yeah. And be OK with that, because isn't it freaking awesome that you can try again? That I love that
1: made. I love that, too. So you know? I'm, I'm curious, Derek. We, Mike, Mike mentions faith and the importance of faith in, the, in that work in doing the work with the people that we love. I'm curious in, in your life, what is, what does faith look like for you in your life? And when does, when does it become something that's uh, an important and strong part of your life?
5: So, <clears throat> you know, I grew up um, fairly involved in Black Southern Baptist church, you know, f- family and friends, again, you know, no, everyone from the front to the front of the room to the back of the room. But there was no real relationship there. You know I was baptized in that church. I think it was 11 years old. Again, no relationship. you know we went with primarily my mom where I went with my grandfather and that was more to just hang out with them than anything else, you know. And then, uh, you know, there there was a little teaching that was picked up along the way. Like, it's been a slow journey, long, slow journey for me. My parents put us in private school, which at the time was Catholic school. That was diametrically opposed as far as processes and procedures to what I was used to. (laughs) You can't get any more different, right? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I never understood why they were essentially talking about the same things but didn't agree the two groups between themselves didn't agree with each other and so that created conflict to me like why am I going to listen or follow either one of you as far as the groups go yeah um you know with, with the difficulties in life again you know like there was a lot of cursing God and that allowed me to to, to step away to run away, to turn away for a long time, you know? And then, you know, other events take place in life to where you're just begging and pleading for them on your hands and your knees, you know? Just tears flowing like never before and thinking that, like, I, this is the only answer. Then going from that to a point of wanting this to be the only answer and knowing that this is the only answer. But I have to have more of a relationship, you know, and interacting with a number of people, a number of great men, you know, that I won't even try to count out by name right now. They supported that thought that, yes, you have to have that relationship. You know, I know men that know the Bible front to back and don't have a relationship with God. Um, And once I tried to start creating that relationship, I wanted to know more. I wanted to grow more. I wanted to show more. And that's just an ongoing process know.
1: I, I, I love that. And, and again, sort of that, that word process comes back to play, right? I mean, it made me think, you know, there's a, a quote that says, both abundance and lack of abundance exist simultaneously in our lives as parallel realities. It's our conscious choice which secret garden we tend. We focus on what's missing from our lives, or are we grateful for the abundance? And you know, I think it's you know, as you said, you know, at times I turn my back, but then at times I'm on my hands and knees, you know, pleading for the help. And and I and I think that those two things are part of that process. Sure. You know what I mean? Like you you yeah, can't you, you, you can't hold them both. know, right? If you unless you get to the point where you feel like I'm abandoned, and now I need that. Thing. Yes,
0: yeah.
5: I, I
1: think that's that's so interesting.
0: It makes
5: me I, think. I'm at of, ground zero. I can't go any lower. There's got to be an answer to get me moving forward, to get me moving out of this space that I'm in right now. Yeah, like, I know this is not the end. Right. You know. So where's what's the next step? That's an interesting place to be in, especially in this day and age. I think that too many people lose. Hope at that point in time, because they have no faith. Yeah, and I believe that if you have faith, you always have hope. Yeah. So it makes no me, matter it makes what your me- bottom is, you know there's a way out. Yeah. You know there's yeah. a brighter day. There's light at the end of the tunnel. As well. Love that. And it
0: makes me think of uh, it makes me think of Matthew 14, right, with Christ on the water, and and Peter's like, I, I want to be with you. I want to do that, and he does it in the storm. Right. The storm is whipping, uh, blowing all around him and yeah. he takes his eyes off the savior and starts to fear the storm and he starts to sink and he's like, save me. And immediately. Right. It wasn't like, well, hold on, Peter. You kind of forgot about you. You, 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 you kind of messed up. I think I'm going to let you sink a, a little bit here. It was immediately. Yeah. Right. And I think, so many times you, uh, you talk about this turning away from, running from, and then in the moment you need him and you turn and you're on your knees, he's not keeping score of the run.
5: Right, right. Like, right. I'll give I'll get give back with you later. You
0: know what I mean? <laughs> right, yeah. You're yeah. his <laughs> child. He loves you, and he's like, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, and I love, too, the idea that I'm in, I'm in a pickle. Just show me the next step. Right. Don't I I know it. I didn't get into this overnight. I'm not getting out overnight.
5: And I think that was a big thing for me, too, was like, you know, not not hoping for that magician God, you know, just yeah. take it away. Yeah. You know, not take it away. But do me a favor and just hang out with me through this, mm. you know, like help me get through this like what. How do I navigate this process? Yeah, like what is what does it mean me going through this process? What is the purpose of it? You know, just just hang out and let let, let me wrap at you a little bit, and you know maybe shoot me some advice here and there. And yeah, you know. ever since I've been doing that, things have been so much better. Now, does that resolve problems in your life? You know, those ebbs and tides. No. Yeah. You know, but um, it definitely helps get through them and yeah. through anything and everything really so i was probably i was 19 when my oldest son came around that was interesting shocking stunning amazing um first time that i thought that i had experienced a miracle in life you know, and in having to try to take care of him i was doing things that legally i shouldn't have been doing um <clears throat> and continue that kind of lost existence for a while for, for a good while uh to the point to where one day there was a gentleman who was a, uh, a a local police officer at home whom I had played football with at the junior college uh a couple years before and I was crossing the street from a fast food place to my apartment and the police car pulled up in front of me on the opposing sidewalk and he hops out and we had a brief conversation and he made the suggestion to me that I might want to make some major changes in my process because the authorities were just waiting to take their turn with me, incarcerating me. Um, and he was basically giving me a heads up and I had been you know, I had been having thoughts about needing to change things, wanting to change things, having things different for a while. Um, and that kind of spurred the move to Reading in the end of 1996.
0: Wow. I, I
1: love the idea that we've got things that we know we need to change and we all have that, right? And then, you know, Mike, you said earlier, you know, God talks to us through people and here, here you are as police officer kind of giving you a heads up, but here, but you got to make some changes. Can we talk to
0: though, Tyler, can we talk to though that Derek's own words, he was living kind of a lost existence.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So, So again, that old model Lost existence means it's not worthy to receive revelation.
1: That's exactly what I was going to say, right? It's not true. No matter what. At that
5: same time, you know, I didn't have that personal relationship to even experience it. Right, right. So,
0: But but something in that interaction, he reaches out to you and you hear it.
5: I think those are periods of what we call divine intervention.
0: Yes, 100%. I totally agree with
6: that. Uh, But... So I, my, my grandfather on my dad's side was in the Navy and he was absolutely the epitome of a Southern gentleman. Um, you know, he served in his community basically till the day he passed away, um, doing hosting pancake breakfasts with the men's group in and his, his, uh, congregation and, you know, learning and studying, um, my, Great grandfather on my mom's side. He married his wife early. You know, it was World War I. Uh, It was the Depression, was when they got married. And, you know, he gave great advice. Like some of the best relationship advice I have is advice that he gave. Um, And, you know, one of the things that he always told me and anyone else who would listen is always bring your wife flowers um, just do it for no reason. Just bring her flowers. <laughs> um, and you know, they, I had these great examples, um, as I was growing up, my father would dance in the kitchen with my mother. Yeah. Um, come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I like, love that. I had these great examples of being a gentleman, you know, opening doors, scooting in chairs, uh saying yes ma'am and no ma'am that one comes from my grandmother who um drilled us every summer when we were at the beach uh with her on yes ma'am no ma'am so like it sort of came from all sides um I grew up with that like all of those influences in my life and that sort of formed me into the gentleman that I was when I
0: met Katie
1: Man, I love that. I really love that idea. Of We're just,
0: losing that. Yeah, and, and that's I, a lost I, art. And
1: Mike, you mentioned the how lucky Daniel was to be able to have the the grandparents and the great grandparents in his life. I I just think that's an amazing thing. And what how lucky? Yeah, I, I mean, I'll echo what Mike said. That's a that's a that's a brilliant, a beautiful thing to have that kind of influence.
0: Tyler, I'm going to totally snag a couple of things. So Julie yeah. Gephardt shared when her husband would come home, Bob Gephardt would come in and they'd sit down in chairs in the bedroom. They'd have a little cocktail and they'd look at each other and just say, are we good? Right. Yeah. So minus the cocktail, I'm totally all about that check-in, right? Are we good? Yeah. But I got a, I got a record player in the dining room. Like I just turned it on and Kelly Freeman, will you, will you dance with me? Come on. Right. That's, that's, That's not dead time. If you throw that out and she says, maybe when we were dating, right? We got, (laughs) we got, (laughs) but that's a live time, right? That's like, you're going to have those moments. You're going to have those memories where my children will be our age and they'll be on podcasts and they'll be talking about what they saw their dad do, you know, but I do want to, I want to highlight something that I'm, I'm, I'm kind of having Like, I'm kind of having a little epiphany here because, you know, Daniel, you were talking a little bit about there's this paradox where life professionally presents us more responsibilities as we get older, more income as we get older in general, which reduces our time with kids. Maybe, you know, there's we talk about that work life balance, Tyler, and that's a myth and it's about adjusting and being present where we are, but it's almost like, Professional opportunities are are ascending. Time at home with responsibilities outside of home, right? So time at home is descending. And the need for kids to have our time is more important as they get older. That's setting us up. That's a dangerous situation if we're not mindful of it.
1: Well, and the yeah, very I,
0: gift that our profession may be giving us is a trade-off.
1: I, I Yeah, I, I agree, Mike.
0: And I think that I, I just, I love this
1: idea that, you know, I, I just can't help but think of like, you know, when people talk about it takes a village, right? And then Daniel, you're talking about grandmas and grandfathers, great grandfathers yeah. and, and, all these people and watching mom and dad dance in the, you know, in the kitchen. And I I just think that that to me, like that's, that, that is so powerful sometimes, you know, time, time's a crazy thing, right? I think that we, we think of it. And and like, for me, I would love to be with my kids at every, every turn, you know, but, but I do think that there's something powerful about uh, our kids being able to see us have to grind it out, have to, have to work hard, but still able to come home with flowers. Do you know what I mean? Like that to me, like that's such a powerful thing. Like, you know, dad's been gone all day and he's been, you know, it it probably hasn't been easy all day and yet comes home with flowers. I I just think like that advice, always bring your wife flowers Mm -hmm. is profound. And the thing about that is that that's a hard thing because I'll be honest with you. I am I'm, I'm 46 years old and it's taken me a lot of, and I still struggle with just being able to just lay that out for somebody. Like my, my first reaction is, all right, I can handle anything and I can fix this. Yeah. Like, like the, the, the pronoun is, is I, right. It's, I can do this. And I will, I will take it on my shoulders and I will fix it. I'm not a sharer by nature. You know, yeah. like I'm a saddle up the backpack, load it up, 400 pounds. All right, cool, let's go. <laughs> and and it's, it's, it's not healthy in any way. So I'm 46 and, and now I, I, I load up my backpack typically to f- the 400 pound limit and I'm getting crushed. And then I turn to my wife and say, I need help,
0: you know? And well, that's and the crazy thing how is it just- goes. The crazy thing is, is you're rocking that 400 pound backpack. You're walking through the halls in church figuratively. I don't know what, maybe you guys are down there. I don't know. But like, and, and people like, Hey Tyler, how's it going? You're like, I'm fine.
1: Absolutely. A hundred percent. I'm good. Life is great. Got it. it. (laughs) Yeah.
7: And I think I have believed the lie that if I'm doing the things that I should be doing, then I shouldn't, like, I should be able to get through it on my own.
0: Talk to me. Yep. Yeah. So what's
1: the transition where you say, because I guess I'm still, I feel like I'm in, I'm with you, Melissa, and I'm a, and I'm a bit, and I'm definitely a work in progress trying to figure out that I can't do it alone. So what, where, where are you at with that? Like, how does that transition happen?
7: Well, when we, years ago, we ended up in therapy And it was weird, like we're having kind of a personal crisis. And then at the same time, I'm having this spiritual crisis because I'm feeling completely broken because I think I never would have like said this out loud. I never thought I thought this until I am just feeling this shame because I feel like I have like disqualified myself in some way. Like if I, if I would have been more like, I think I thought that righteousness was some kind of immunity for suffering.
1: Oh like, man, like,
7: yeah, like I if I do these things and like I can jump into water and not get wet, yeah, and I can because everybody shares stories about how like they found the gospel and then it mm-hmm. saved them from all this suffering and all this pain. So then to be in the middle of all the suffering and the pain with the gospel made me feel like this extra level of broken.
0: I love that,
1: like, yeah,
7: just from how
0: much time you got, how much time you got, Engelbrights, because that <laughs> is some deep. Water. Right. I mean, like Tyler and I have spoken before. Uh, Hold on really quick. Before I leave this segment with my good friend, Tyler Gould, I will tell you, I will tell my millions of listeners minus millions, a couple (laughs) thousand, a couple hundred, (laughs) right? Three. I don't know.
1: My wife's listening, maybe
0: (laughs) Tyler Gould. There have been times when I have been literally in my closet, literally step one, pray step 2 call tyler gould you you know those moments i know those moments i cherish those moments man yeah. and i really do if there are people that are listening get your tyler gould <laughs> right get don't get the order right yeah, yeah, yeah. get the order right <laughs> i'm not i'm not calling <laughs> tyler first right <laughs> And and this is also implying that even before I'm going to God, I'm I'm talking to my wife, right? Right. I mean, we are experiencing this together. But to the people that are listening, I didn't want to pass that conversation without acknowledging that there 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 are people that are p and 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 it's not like they have the answers, right? But they're there, and you know what's interesting? They're just holding it. They're just holding it. Yeah.
1: And I think what's interesting too, is just to, you know, I, I think that that everybody thinks that at least I do, right. Sharing that is going to be the hardest, most painful thing. Right. And, and we, and it's weird because in, in, you know, logically we understand that most people have felt something similar to where I'm at, but being able to verbalize that and share that with someone is hard. But when we do, oh my gosh, what a huge relief, right? When, when I can call Mike or or I'm sitting with my wife and I finally just start unpacking. Right. And then it's just like, oh yeah, there is, there is someone who understands and can help and, and maybe not even help, but can listen.
0: Right. Yeah. And the crazy thing is, it. is, you know, we talk about like, oh, I don't know those folks, you know, I, I, I think like, oh, that guy who can never understand why, how do you think he became where he's at? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's way put to put together to be able to even get where I'm coming from. It's like, yeah, there's a process and you got to go through the process to get where they're at. Or it's a sham. Yeah, Right. Right.
7: right. I mean, and I
0: think that there's some, there's something there too. Yeah. Melissa, go ahead.
7: And then you need to talk about the process once you're past it, because then everybody else just continues to feel alone.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I, I love poking, I love poking at some of those myths and lies, Melissa, that you were talking about, right? And we've, we've had some conversations with people just about this life and experience. And I, I really want to make sure that people understand that there is no immunity. Yeah. You know, like I can remember saying to people live right, feel right. Yeah. Yeah. I apologize to anybody I ever said that to. (laughs) Yeah. Because it's not like I remember like, oh, medication. Oh, professional doctor. Come on. Come on. It's called the scriptures. You got the word, read the word, put the word in your heart, go put it in action. And it's like, what am I doing to the gospel of Jesus Christ? Right? Well, and
1: thank, thank goodness for the uh, the Holland talk, uh, like a broken vessel, right? Because mm-hmm. he, he talks about that, right? Like we want to use the spiritual tools and resources that we have at our disposal, but we want to use everything that we have, right? <laughs> Doctors, you know, medication, whatever it takes, we, we got to be healthy, right? We got to put ourselves yeah. in a place. But I to, to go back to your point uh, real quick, Melissa, I think about talking about it too. I think that once we've been through things, I'm a big believer in transparency and vulnerability, right? Like we have to be willing to, we can't suffer these big events that help us turn corners and then go sit silently on our hands and not tell anybody about what it took to turn the corner. You know? I mean, I just, sometimes that blows my mind. It's like I've gone through it and hear someone's, you know, burying their soul talking about what how much pain they're in and in my mind i'm going yeah i've been there buddy you know what i mean but it's like why am i not going up there and saying hey and put my arm around someone and saying look i've been there and and it it's good like like you said aaron the yeah. sun will rise you know
0: when you're going through it though it, it is interesting because you do feel you feel this isolation like mm-hmm. somehow we feel we're unique right in this suffering like nobody's gone through this nobody's had this problem and how dare i you know be vulnerable and, and, and speak about this. Yeah. It's almost like
1: right. we're burdening someone.
0: Right. And, and maybe it's male culture too. Right. There's kind yeah. of this macho, like independent, I'm going to take care of myself. I got yeah. this. I don't need other things. And that, and that makes
8: us, I don't know, makes us, I guess, be vulnerable, but we're, we're built for that.
0: We're built for connection. As you look at your life right now, what is, uh, What are your thoughts on, on, on the battle that people are in and the battle that you're in as a, as a husband, as a father, what are your thoughts on this, uh, this battle to find truth and grab onto it and defend it?
8: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, honestly, the first thing that comes to my mind is uh, a talk, I think it was Elder Anderson's talk, spiritually defining memories. Mm, that was yeah. probably from a couple of years ago. Yeah, Let's yeah. Go. No, love that. yeah um, I love that because there's there's something that he mentions in that talk. And I think he mentions it like five or six times, if I recall. And he says, those spiritually defining memories, right, are the times that I knew it, I knew that God knew it, and I couldn't deny it, right? It's mm-hmm. those times where even when you look back five, six, 10, 15 years, whatever it is, right, that that somewhere in you in your heart or in your mind or both, you knew, you knew that what you were looking at was true or that you were feeling was true. And you knew that God knew it. And there was no way that you could ever deny that.
6: Mm.
1: I, I love that. But, and I, and I love, I like your thought, your, you know, your way you framed that earlier, you said, we have this sort of revisionist history yep. because I think there's even a tendency where we, we've had those moments, right. Where we, we feel like things are solidified and then we let some time go on without maybe nurturing or, or taking care of that, that solidifying moment. And then we look back and go, gosh, did that really happen? You know, was that, was that, it was a feel good moment. Yeah. Right. Right. And so I, I, I love that idea that, well, maybe I don't love it, but I think there's reality to that idea of revisionist history. Yeah. And I think that in order for us to get to a point where we're not involved in that process of revising our history, that we've got to be, you know, I, I think that word remember, and we talk about this a lot on the show, Mike, yeah. that word remember though is huge, right? It's not, it's not to uh, inflate moments that we've had, but it's just to remember that they were there yeah right and and if, and, and the more that we look back and we we put, we have quick recall on those the the the, the more that we're going to be reminded of the things that we felt or saw or heard but if if we let 5 or 10 years go by and then we look back and go Gosh, I don't know. It's really fuzzy. It's really frenzied fuzzy.
0: mind, right? Maybe I was in a frenzied mind. Or, yeah,
7: right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, and I think I I think of uh, listening to Jason's answer. Love that thought. Yeah, and then I, I I love that talk of you know spiritually defining memories, and that makes me think of Holland. And Holland's kind of kind of a lightning rod right now. Yeah. Oh, for sure, uh, <laughs> Elder Jeffrey R. Holland. I love Elder Way Jeffrey R. Holland. On. I sustain him as a prophet seer and revelator, but. Elder Jeffrey R. Holland said, Those that leave, those that choose to leave, those that choose to stop walking with Jesus are going to have to crawl in and around and through yeah. those very memories. Yeah. You're going to have it, some it, things that you've got to justify away. Like Tyler said, forget,
8: right? On your way out, they're going to be there. Yeah. And if you aren't reflecting on those, right, like during those deep moments, when you're questioning it. And if you weren't kind of reflecting on it and, and, and really just focusing on it, I think that's when all of a sudden those things start creeping into your mind and you go, wait a second, there's, you know, something, are you sure that's the way it was? Or, you, you know, and, and that subconscious, and you really just starts eating away if you're not uh actively working towards it.
1: Yeah. And, and I think that there's something important about those questions, right. And maybe yep. even even those doubts to a certain degree, if we use them the right way, right? Because if those are there, we can turn back and try to uh, bring back that moment, right? We can experiment on that again. And we can say, wait a second, this is what I had. I'm not sure. Let me dive back into that. And we find ourselves maybe
0: that, rebuilding think about that. that foundation but think about what you're saying there tyler that's um that that's kind of a that's miraculous in that it in the moment it was good for us right right and here yeah. we are five six ten years back and it's still being good for us right right you can prayerfully consider those things and be like and it's given me what i need now now yeah. we talk about i can't live off 1994 right i got to yep. do those things that are going to yep. keep but 1994 is there anytime I want to go back to it.
8: It's a foundation, right? It's right? A foundation things, I can go things back are built that. on top of each each of those spiritually exactly. defining memories. I think are interconnected at some point.
1: I agree. Right? They're yeah. building
8: that strong foundation, and the more and it's not like you should just have one spiritually defining memory.
6: 100%. Sometimes,
8: sometimes I think we get caught up, and and brother, and you probably agree with this that right, like. Oh, that one time on my mission, like I had the super powerful experience and your mission was 10 years ago and, and you haven't had those spiritual yeah. defining memories since then. That's, that's problematic, right? Yeah. Like you can't go your whole life building on that memory, but you got to make more, right? There should yeah. be other ones. There should be ones from last week that you're like, let I me put said... this in my spiritually defining memory um, piggy bank or something, right? Yeah. That, that that's a moment that's going inside there and that's, what's building building upon that.
1: Right. I used to ask people all the time, like, wh- tell me the last time that you felt this, this feeling. Yeah. And, and if it was 10 years ago, right, the answer should be this morning. Right. Yep. I mean, that's where we want to be. Yeah. But, and, and look, admittedly, I'm not there, you know, like, you like yeah, right. But Jason is, that's why he's on the show. That's so. why he's on the show. And he <laughs> do this, but those memories really should be springboards to the next thing. Right. Correct they should be these launching pads where we say, Oh yeah, that happened. Let me recreate. And here we are again, doing the same thing.
0: Okay. But let's, let's get real. Let's, let's actually talk practical, right? Because I think that if folks are listening, I mean, this is great when you, when you look it up in the Bible dictionary and you read it, right. But like Jason busy dad, husband, right. Work week, hell week. What does, what does it look like? Because I got to have faith to even look back. Right. Yeah. I gotta have faith. I gotta want to be good, and I gotta have faith to be able to look back. So, so Jason, talk me through like what things do you do? And this is assuming, right? This is assuming that that, that we do these things, and maybe the answer is like you're hitting me at a really rough time because I've gotten off the wagon, right? I don't know, but what are those things that we do to to keep that faith? To trim our lamps, right? To keep to 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 keep the faith to fight the good fight
8: with everything going on. It's a good question, right? We have so much distraction. We have so much going on. Um, and I think we I think you guys have talked about this on the show and I want to make sure that because I think it's true for me as well. There are times where I'm at my low and I need my wife there to make sure that she's kind of helping me, almost probably even dragging me along <laughs> sometimes, right? Not even not even just kind of like light, you know, hand on the shoulder kind of thing, but kind of yanking me along and being like, Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta step up. You gotta do more. Um, yeah. you know, you need to, you need to stop focusing on, on, on your career so much, or, you, you know, you're, you're kind of letting family slide or, you know, just different things that it's like, look, you got, you got to be better. And then there there are times very few, very, very few that, that I'm kind of at a at a more spiritual high and I'm kind of helping my wife and saying, Hey, you know Let's, let's kind of get back on track with this. You know, let's, let's move forward a little bit. Um, yeah.
1: I, I love that thought because I, I think, I think it's so important to, to just have people in our lives, right. That are willing to call our crap out. Right. Yep. Like, I mean, I think that's, that's a big deal. The rest of the popcorn shrimp, man. <laughs> <You know?
9: laughs> But I, I remember having a conversation with my wife, and I was like, "Man, remember when Sizzler used to be like high end?" And she was like, "No, it was never high end." Uh, I was
4: like,
9: but no, that that was like that was high end. That was like where we would go. I and mean, that was like, yeah. man, that cost Celebrate so some much accomplishments,
1: money. man. Come on, now, oh, that's
9: that's, so, that's funny. So that's yeah, funny. Sizzler is is a hell holds a fond place. I think I spent a couple birthday dinners there, man. <laughs>
0: i love it man so love it. so jim before we move on um uh past your parents how do you honor your mom and dad
9: oh you know i i uh my dad actually passed a few years back okay and and uh i think i mentioned to you guys the other night when we were talking but he he was a great man a lot of people knew him but he died in a plane crash of all things Oh and just kind of tragically and uh you know, I. You know, it's funny we talk about this because the the topic we started with about asking for help, I, I rarely did that. And you know, I, I I had my reasons. I think growing up, and I think when you're on the younger side of family, you you kind of tend to go to your brothers more than your parents, um, in some respect. But I, I mean, I probably can count on one hand the number of times I went to my dad and asked him for advice, or. You know, really kind of talk to him about that. Not that he didn't give me advice unsolicited; <laughs> uh, We're he did good that, at that plenty of times. Right. But <laughs> but where I actually went to him with something that maybe two or three times. But um, the night before he passed, uh, and granted, he grant he died in a plane crash. So I had no idea that was going to happen. But the night before he passed, I I was you know one of my kids was was sick, and I was dealing with struggles, and I I. Um, had gotten asked to kind of serve in this calling in church that was heavy. And I was feeling probably the most overwhelmed feeling I've ever felt in my life. Just, I don't know if I can do all of this. And so I called him and I, you know, woe is me. And I told him my, my story and why it was so, so hard. And uh, he recounted a story of himself when he was, you know, younger, he had two kids. He knew he was going to go to Vietnam for, for the war and, you know, all the stuff he was in school and all these things that were happening. And he got asked to, to do the same similar thing type in in church. And he said that he had also kind of gone to somebody and did the same thing. What was me? Why are they asking me to do this? I, I'm not, I don't have time for this kind of stuff. And, and the guy looked at him and just said, Carl, so what, so what if, this is all going on you know just just do what you're supposed to do and you know it'll work out and so then my dad says so jimmy i i'm gonna tell you the same thing so what you know everybody's got struggles everybody's got problems if they ask you to do it you just do it and you go when you where you're supposed to go and you do what you're supposed to do and you know that's it you know i have this conversation and honestly it didn't feel very warm and fuzzy but you know, he told me he loved me and I told him I loved him. And, and, and and that meant a lot to me to be able to have that conversation. And then, you know, come to find out I was the last family member that talked to him. And that was the, the last conversation that one of us had with him. And so for my dad specifically, you know, that those words have kind of taken on a life of their own where, you know, little did I know that, the challenges that I was facing at the time were, were a mere fraction of what I was going to be facing in, in just a few more months. And, and those words have really kind of come to my mind a lot. You know, so what, so what if, if you're struggling, like everybody's got something, right. You know, whether they're going through a divorce or they're going through, you know, they're, they're married, but they're lonely or, or they got kids with health challenges or they got health challenges or someone just passed or, you know, they just lost their job or, you know, their financial troubles. I mean, if you talk to every single person, like everybody's got something that, that makes them feel this same kind of feeling. And so, you know, I think when we look at it from that point of view, like not, not to be like, cause he, he didn't mean it to be cold or harsh, but at the same time, it was kind of like just a reality check.
1: So it doesn't matter
9: you- that we're struggling.
1: And I, I, I love that actually that, that, so what, right. We all have struggles. I mean, so, you know, we'll we'll all, the three of us here will acknowledge that everybody's got struggles, right. And we're all dealing with something. How, how do you deal when things are hard?
9: You know, I think going back to those same lessons I learned from my dad at early age was just those small, consistent things, right. Just every day, Taken the few steps in the right direction that you're supposed to take. And I, I think, you know, like when I when I try to think about my struggles in terms of the big picture, honestly, it it's so overwhelming where it's almost paralyzing. But if I just look at an hour ahead and say, okay, what do I need to do in the next hour? I need to make this phone call. I need to do this. I need to run this error. I need to do this one thing, then it becomes manageable. And so I think just taking a, a few steps here and there uh, and just being consistent. Right. So like for me every day, I try to wake up around the same time. I try to have this morning routine where I, you know, read my scriptures or meditate for a few minutes and try to work out. And then I, you know, get, then my kids wake up and it's craziness and get to school and work and the rest of the day. But, but just that, that simple time in the morning before everybody gets up and everything happens is just, some quiet time and just a few steps, man. So I think that's for me, the biggest thing is just
10: focusing on today. I I now understand more and more of why I did what it is that I did, but I also understand what I need to do about it now. Um, In dealing with uh, trauma, historical trauma, PTSD, um, you don't know what you don't know. Because in our time, people didn't talk about stuff. And so there were there were, there were were secrets that were kept. And we were told, well, wait till you're older or you're too young to understand or things like that would, would get in the way of knowing what the truth was, but you kind of knew something was wrong. And eventually you had to figure out what it was. So when we did find out what the truth was, you know, it's pretty eye-opening. And then you have to decide what you're going to do with it. So,
0: well, I think that, you know, Rick, I, Mr. Rick, I've been in places I've been in places and I've seen you be I've seen you work your magic with kids, uh, with with, with youth that are struggling with that, with that very thing, with that identity and, and, and who they are and what their story is. And and almost at a genetic code level, they're struggling with things, you know, but that 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 concept, that principle, that truth of that. Adverse childhood experience, that ACE score, I've seen you use that to unlock kids. That ACE score does not define you, right? Yes. It's a wisdom key, really. You're giving them the knowledge of like, this is why maybe you're doing some of the things that you've always wondered, why do you do this? Yeah. This pattern of behavior, right? And yes. I just think i just think it's so important that For listeners, I mean, wherever you are, we deal with stuff. And like you said, especially as men, we file things away and we just put that back there. And sometimes we don't deal with those things. And I I just want to throw that out there and make sure that people understand that it's not what's wrong with you. It's what happened to you. Exactly. When you you understand that shift, you talked about that paradigm shift in your life just by saying that out loud. It's not what's wrong with you, it's what happened to you. That kind of gives people a green light to again, back to your question, what are you going to do about it? Now that you know, what are you, what are you going to do about it?
10: And hey. I think that that's that's kind of the key about next steps. You know, because our 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 children, our young people, you know, they're all about, you know, they 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 know what happened to them. They know when it happened to them. They know how it happened to them. And their question is always why. Okay. They're always looking for the why. But the problem is, is that the why, you know, it can be important, but it doesn't satisfy what needs to happen next. All it does is just, you know, I mean, you know, people want to know. I'll say, so you find out what happened to you and then you find out why, what are you going to do then? What are you going to do with that knowledge then? Sure, you're going to know it you're going to feel it and you're going to have a reason to be angry. You're going to have a reason to be upset. You're going to have a reason to be depressed. You're going to have a reason to be abusing substances. But, you know, when you find out the why, you have to ask the next question. What's next? What do I do now? And uh, that's the message that I'm trying to get to them that, you know, I, I you know, when they're in their depression or their anxiety or whatever it is that they're experiencing, I said, you know what? It's OK to feel that. And you experience it and you feel it all the way through. But here's the deal. You don't have to live there. You have a choice to move forward. And you just have to find a way to be able to do it. And if that means talking to somebody, if that means getting it out of you, if that means reaching out to somebody who you feel safe with then do it but you got to do something because if you don't do nothing then you're going to keep hanging on to the stuff you've been hanging on to.
0: what i'm talking to a person <laughs> you shared your you shared your your birth story right <laughs> yeah like like where talk to me about the people that served as that role model for you where did you get it where did you learn about love right you your i mean you're a child in a cardboard box and you're you, you, it sounds like you're being neglected, right? And I'm just thinking, you're four years old, and you hear that, you hear your birth father say that he doesn't want custody. Like, who fills that void, Mister Rick? Can we, can we go back a little bit and talk about that?
10: Yeah, I think that you know there have been, uh, you know, I, I don't know whether you want to call them angels or whether you want to call them, uh, you know, whatever it is that you want to call them. That there have been people in my life who have spent time with me to share something with me that I needed to know and uh because I was hungry and thirsted for that when I saw it I latched on to it and uh and I thought you know what this is something I need to hang on to because I may need to use it later on so a lot of stuff I accumulated over time with different people uncles uh friends you know uh Fathers of my friends, uh, different people like that, Uh, believe it or not. I learned a lot from watching uh, uh, television. It's going to seem kind of strange.
0: No, let's go there. What are you talking about?
10: Well, there are role models there. You know, you know, I'm a child of the 60s and the 70s. There were some role models that were that were great. Okay, and I'm but I'm not talking about the Brady Bunch or stuff like that. What I'm talking about is that uh, the movie uh, To Kill a Mockingbird
5: really impressed
10: upon me what kind of father that I really wanted to be, even though I'm not. But, you know, I think I got a piece of it. There's a point when Atticus had just finished defending that man and he's packing up his stuff on his desk and everybody downstairs where all the white people were they left but all the people of color are sitting up on the upper, sta- upper upper level and his kids are up there too yeah and then when atticus turns around he starts walking down the aisle to get to the door to get out everybody on the upper level stands up and the kids are still sitting down and the one man looks down at the kids he says he says stand up he says, your father's walking, tears me up every time I think about that because he's, he's a man, but he's a father. And somebody was teaching his children how to respect his father. And I thought that, wow, to be that kind of father, but also to be that man to remind his children to respect his father. So, you know, as time goes by. You know, I remember stuff like that because it has such a huge impact on me. Because remember, I'm I'm hungering and I'm thirsting for, you know, that father figure. Who is that? What does that person look like? How do I want to be? What do I want to model myself after? Good
0: idea, Ernie. A toast (laughs) to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. (laughs)